All right, we got a great episode coming up for you with uh, our special guest, Dana Adnani. She has an amazing career path, including brands like Coca-Cola, Microsoft, Nokia, Uber, Jumia, and now she's got her own consulting business here in Morocco. She has an amazing story to tell, a lot of wisdom, and she also talks about her initiatives supporting women in business. So stay tuned. Okay, welcome to episode 79 of the Business in Morocco podcast. We have a very special guest with us today. We have uh, Dana Adnani, who is the former head of global communications and public affairs for Jumia. And she's had a very extensive career in, in media and public relations. And so she's going to be sharing with us. Dana, thank you so much for being here. So could you tell us a little bit about your background, introduce yourself to our audience? Uh, yes, with pleasure. Um, I uh, come from uh, the Middle East. I'm originally Jordanian and uh, I've been living in Morocco for the last 14 years. I consider myself Moroccan now. Uh, I have a Moroccan husband and my kids are Moroccan, so you could say dual nationality. Um, and uh, my, my, uh, my basic or my uh, uh, early education was, uh, was in Jordan and then I pursued my higher uh, postgraduate degree in the U.S. I've been working in the region for around 25 years, mainly in the communication and public affairs. So was your husband working in Jordan? Is that how you met or was it while you were studying or how did you decide <laughs> to come to Morocco? Quite a long story. I, uh, no, we did not meet in Jordan. I uh, used to travel for work uh, majority of my, uh, my time. Uh, you could say 75% of my time was on a plane or airport. So I was working for Coca-Cola at that time, and I came to Morocco on a short business trip that I decided to extend. We had mutual friends who worked with me in Coke, and we met, and that how was <laughs> how it was. But uh, uh, you know, we started our uh, life together in uh, in Bahrain, and then Dubai and Canada, and then we decided to come to Morocco. So it was on our to-do list. And when the right opportunity uh, presented itself with Nokia, it was a great uh, um, opportunity. Not only from a social perspective, I wanted to, uh, to live here for a while. I wanted my husband to, to enjoy coming back and reconnecting with his roots, but also for the kids to have an experience. We thought it would be a couple of years. We kept saying next year, next year. And here we are, you know, uh, 13 going on our 14. We absolutely love it here. Morocco is a wonderful, wonderful place for family, for work, uh, different set of challenges. Geographically, it's the best location, you know, it was close to Europe, to the US, uh, to the Middle East. It was like being in the middle with having all the privileges of, of beautiful landscape and great weather. So we, uh, yeah. we're very happy with it now, <laughs> for now. Oh, that's great. So you work in, in uh, communications and public relations. How did you get into that field? Also pure coincidence. This was not my uh, formal education or, or training. Um, I, uh, I think early in my uh, uh, education, I disappointed my, my family. Everybody should be a, an engineer or a doctor or a dentist. <laughs> when it comes to the worst choice, you know, if you're not in medicine, if you're not a doctor, you could be a dentist. Or if you're not an engineer, you could be an architect. architect. Uh, but... Um, uh, I, I did register, I did uh, get accepted in the dental school and in, in, in uh, engineering architectural school. 
and I started, but um, then I, you know, out of the blues, I decided to shift into linguistics, languages. I wanted to learn English. I wanted to learn French. Um, it was not a very popular decision at that time, but mm. I, uh, I actually, I, I would, I, don't, I wouldn't call myself rebellious. I just wanted to do something different. Each time I was looking for something that it's outside of the norm. I wanted to break the boundaries, break the stereotypes. So not only I went to a linguistic studies, but I, I chose to go to as um, the first uh, Middle East military uh, university that uh, is, um, uh, you know, uh, open for both genders. So I was uh, uh, um, in the third uh, class uh, in the first university in Jordan is called Mota University. And that was especially um, uh, uh, founded to create a, a higher level education within the army or the military in Jordan. So we were supposed to graduate with a, with a rank and, and go into the military, etc. So that was a, a different choice. Uh, and uh, I studied linguistics, but uh, uh, also was not good enough. I needed to be a doctor somehow. So I, need, I thought, okay, let me pursue my PhD and then my, my dad can call me a doctor. <laughs> and uh, I, uh, I, uh, I did very well. I, was, uh, I graduated with an honor degree. I was number one in my whole department in the whole of art and science uh, college. So I landed on a scholarship for my master's and doctoral degree. And I went to the US to study literature and linguistics. And um, I started exploring the wonderful world of, of business and opportunities and real marketing and, and uh, advertisement. And I was really, really captured by all what was happening around me. So while I was studying in the US, I, I, I took various jobs, whether in teaching assistant or helping a small business create a buzz, like a, a cafe and the Eastern cafe, etc. And when I was done with my master's, I decided I'm going to explore this world. So landed on a very nice job, believe it or not, with oil and gas company, with a company called Adnoc, yeah, Abu Dhabi National Oil Company in the U.S. Um, and I was doing everything for them, recruitment, uh, PR, comms, public affairs, you name it. And this is how I got into this world. And uh, ever since, I never wanted to go back. I mean, I did teach for one semester when I went back to Jordan before deciding what I'm going to do with my life. But I, that just helped me realize that it was not for me, you know, mm. at that time. Mm -hmm. you, so um, a lot of our listeners are Moroccans. 75% uh, of our audience are Moroccans and they're studying English. They have varying degrees of uh, literacy uh, and competence in, in English. Can you talk about the role that English has played in your career? What, what doors were open to you because of your ability to speak multiple languages? Definitely. I mean, I'm a, a big advocate for English. And I mean, let's face it, it's the language of, of, of the world now. It's the language of the future, language of technology. Uh, I mean, this is a, a, an ever ending uh, uh, discussion between me and my husband. Even we had this big debate when we decided, you know, on the school that, or, or the system that we're gonna put our kids in. And I insisted on the English or the American uh, regardless, because I knew this is what uh, they will need for their future. But it did literally open doors for me. When I, um, uh, when I, when I applied for the university, you know, 
there was a quota for, for Arab, uh, let's say, uh, students or international students. And I got accepted easily in the program that I wanted. When I went to the US, uh, it helped me a lot get a job right away. You know, not only because I wanted to make extra bucks, it's just because I wanted to get the experience and add this to my portfolio, to my CV. Uh, when I, um, uh, uh, I, I, you know, I uh, met people, various people in a plane, airport. I was sitting, you know, next to, to uh, interesting uh, 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 people in these places, I was able to start a conversation, get to know them. I start learning how important building a network is. So one, one really, really uh, uh, big tip I would give everybody is, you know, your network. You start building your network from a very early age. And the people that you meet and the relationship that you make at early age or early career should stay with you. And, and that alone, the language helped me a lot. I remember mm. as being you know, being a teenager, going with my dad in the car from school back to home, and I would see tourists, you know, in the street. And as strange and awkward it sounds, I would beg my dad to stop. And we offer them, you know, ride, or we offer them a meal, and all what I wanted just to practice my English. And yeah. my dad usually <laughs> still teases me, teases me about it. And it's like, you're weird. What if somebody was a, you know, a serious killer, a serial killer, and, and uh, you know, we just brought people to our house and we sat with them and we talked. And so back to your question, I think it's not a luxury anymore. We should offer our kids the opportunity to learn languages, particularly English. I'm going to be biased because I think, as I said, it's the technology language. It's what we need. And uh, it will definitely give you a plus when you're looking for a career uh, move or a right job or even a right opportunity for, for any improvement. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So after, after the oil company, you know, we've seen from your resume, you, you have some brand names on your resume, including uh, Coca-Cola, you mentioned, Microsoft, Nokia, Dow, Uber. Can you talk a little bit about your career progression and your thought process as you move from one company to the next? And, you know, what was your decision making like when you said, okay, I'm in this position, when, when did you say, okay, now's the right time to move to uh, another company in another position? A very interesting question. And again, all these jobs, all these moves were pure coincidence or just happened, you know, as, as my life, uh, uh, you know, went through uh, phases. So um, uh, the first job with, with Coca-Cola, I was really fortunate, not only just pure luck, but it's something I would like to you know, uh, highlight here and maybe others, you know, listeners or uh, audience will benefit from this is um, being there at the right time with the right set of skills and competencies in addition, of course, to the character, you know, what differentiate you from others. Now, I was thinking about my father and the whole family drama. I went for my master's when I decided to go for an MBA and stop pursuing my doctoral degree was not also, it was, again, was not a popular decision. I was like, oh, you know, you're not going to become a doctor. What a shame. You're halfway. And they insisted, uh, like, if you're not going to do that, you have to come back. Uh, and and, and my, my family is very open-minded. I was, you know, I'm still the luckiest girl with the most understanding, educated parents. But being the only daughter in the family and the Middle Eastern uh, culture, they wanted me close. So when I went back, the only job I could apply for was a teaching job and I wanted to you know, give it a try. So I was teaching in a private university in the morning, 
but that did not satisfy my, my passion and it did not speak to me really. So I started working with a colleague of mine who was also an engineer, you know, and, and, and acting as a, as a BBC reporter on the side, so as a part-time job. And we approached Coca-Cola. We knew or we heard that Coca-Cola was entering the Middle East. And if you remember, Coca-Cola was boycotted in the Middle East forever, you know, due to the Arab League uh, third um, degree embargo. So when they were entering or re-entering uh, the Middle East around mid-90s, that's around the time I, w I went back to Jordan, we approached them and we said, hey, you know, we're two guys interested in, in marketing and advertisement and PR and we can help you. And at that time, PR was really a taboo, you know, people thought of PR as just parties and pretty girls and, and uh, you know, short skirts and having, uh, you know, networking events. But we really proposed to them doing uh, like a grassroots, camp grassroots campaign with, with street marketing, uh, uh, like a, uh, a whole pledge proposal. And they really liked it and they gave us a chance through the, the butler, the local butlers. And I ran single-handedly a campaign for them under the cap, you know, bottle cap campaign with a big buzz, creating a huge hype for, for uh, uh, awards and, and in crowd engagement. Um, the manager really liked me. And uh, after four months in, uh, you know, into the relationship, they offered me uh, the chance to run their communication department out of Cyprus. So hmm. I went to see them, signed the contract, called my mom and dad. and was like, hey, you know, I'm moving to Cyprus. Thank you very much. And that was it. And uh, to be honest, not to uh, promote Coke here, uh, but it was the best opportunity. Uh, now, again, being there with the right time, right set of skills, competencies uh, is great. But also I, I, I really managed to to, uh, to benefit from, from all the other circumstances. Coke at that time, had a huge gender issue in the U.S. They, they were really keen on, on hiring more uh, women, minorities in their in their new uh, you know management. They were uh, looking into hiring also Arab talents, and um, we were lucky. I, I fit it all. I tick, I ticked all the boxes. I was a woman. I was an Arab Muslim woman from the region with a U.S. Uh, uh, background or education, a little bit of experience, and the language, of course. So. That helped me uh, go in uh, uh, Coca-Cola as a mid-management, which is great. Normally, we, you don't get that. Today, you, you have to climb the corporate ladder. So mm -hmm. I got in there, and I was, I think, one of the youngest uh, leadership member. Uh, I remember my first meeting, uh, you know, on the board. I was sitting there, and everybody thought that somebody brought their daughter with them or maybe <laughs> their assistant. And, but it was a great, great opportunity. Coke was a great company, huge HR engine. I owe it most of what I know today, what I am today, to the HR system, the training, the development I went through, the chance that uh, I was given. I was thrown into Yemen to open a plan there for three months. I was going to, to, uh, to Syria. I was going to Lebanon, uh, you know, trying to solve issues from setting up a plant to, to, mm -hmm. to linking with the local community. I put a cover and I go meet, uh, you know, the sheikh in Yemen to convince him to open the streets, you know, for us to go to the plant and hire people from the tribe. So this is actually where really, really, I gained majority or most of my skills that I'm using today. Yeah, that's incredible. It, it fits perfectly <laughs> with, with something we preach often on this podcast, which is 
when you're starting out in your career, when you're young, to really focus on the company that, where you'll be developing or where you'll be learning, not so much on the salary and how much you're getting paid, but how are you getting developed? How are you gaining skills? How are you building your network, setting yourself up for the future? And we really push people to look for opportunities like that, where they're just growing at a rapid pace like you did. And, and uh, you know, absolutely. But the thing is, um, you know, there are many of companies who offer that, but even let's assume that you don't get that chance. I think uh, that having that mindset is like, okay, I'm going to go and this is what I'm going to learn. This is what I want to get at, whether it's a startup, whether it's a local company, you know, what's important. And I tell my kids the same. It's, it's like uh, uh, going to school. It's better than going to school because this is learning through actually doing it, not through theory. So you invest in the first year or second or third year of your career in, in, in any company when they really learn and, and add your profile and, and you don't look at the position or you have a desk or you have a, a title or is it a top, you know, 10 uh, uh, brand, etc. So I'm a big believer of that. And, yeah. uh, and as I said, I was lucky because I, uh, Coke was my first big corporate experience, but even my job at Adnoc was amazing. I mean, meeting these expert uh, oil and gas you know engineers and 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 uh, uh, scientists and and just listening to them even though i did not contribute a lot it was a, a, a you know a, a great uh, challenge a great opportunity going back into the the dow dow you know when i got the offer somebody contacted me in dow and at that time i thought i would never leave coke coke was in you know in my blood if you tested my blood you'd be <laughs> Coke Plus, Coca Cola. So um, uh, I got married, you know, with family restriction. My husband, um, uh, you know, wanted also to pursue his career. So uh, unfortunately, I couldn't stay with them. And I got the offer from Dow. And Dow Chemical was also a huge, huge opportunity. I'm very thankful for it. I went back to the oil and gas, but from a completely different perspective. They were entering the Middle East. Uh, the public affair piece was huge because it was not B2C, it was B2B. We were dealing with governments, you know, important ministries of oil and gas and energy everywhere. So it was a very high profile. And I remember, you know, working directly with the CEO when he was coming to Kuwait to open or to sign the Kuwait, the gas plant, you know, petrochemical plant there, or going to Qatar to discuss the liquid, uh, liquid gas deal, or when we opened the, the joint venture in Oman, very, very high profile. The network I have developed and worked with in the, in the Gulf is, is uh, uh, you know, of a huge value. I still, you know, keep in touch with everyone. A few of them are ministers and, and the leaders in the government. And, and the, these are, you know, uh, with honor, I mean, I call them friends, not only ex-colleagues. Uh, and I would have, I thought I would have never leave Dow. Dow is the, mm -hmm. you know, the new home. <laughs> but yeah. um, uh, Nokia reached out to me after three years. And Nokia, they were opening the Africa market. They were penetrating uh, the whole of Africa. And, you know, Africa, you know, in this century is the, we consider it as the future, the new China. And yeah. even though I worked a lot in Northern Africa, but I've never worked in Sub-Saharan. I did work a little bit in, with South Africa. So it was also a new challenge, a new geography. And believe it or not, I accepted an offer with half the pay, half the package, you know. And I went to, to, to Morocco alone without my husband, with two young kids. 
just because I was really eager uh, to um, diversify my, my portfolio, not from an from a, a, a experience perspective, because this was the telecommunication. It was the future. Again, it was the new thing, the new trend. And mm. each year, I just look around me and say, okay, what's happening? What's new? So technology and telecommunication was on the rise. And Africa was also under the highlight. And I thought, it's worth the compromise. If I can afford it, I'm going to invest the next three years in building my uh, profile in Africa and in the telecommunication industry. And it's a new challenge. It's something that I have not done before. So, again, I I never applied for that job. I got uh, contacted, discussed it, decided in a couple of weeks. And I took the kids and I moved to Mm. Morocco in 2006. So... This is how it happened. I mean, yeah. and I thought I would never leave Nokia again. Nokia was great eight years. Unfortunately, you know, they went under and, and they had difficult time when the Microsoft acquisition happened. Um, but, uh, you know, I was fortunate because I was part of that. It was history. Yeah. And moving to Microsoft was such an experience, you know? This happened uh, or, organically. This happened in such a smooth way that it felt like home and I was there as if I was there forever. Microsoft was an amazing experience. Took me back to the US after eight years with the Finnish and the European market and the Middle Eastern. Got reconnected to the US again with Microsoft and uh, really was an amazing experience. And, And things happen. I don't know how I got lucky to work with all these brand names, but uh uh, while I was uh, discussing with Microsoft relocating to Dubai or Istanbul, because that's where the management was discussing, and they had a lot of reorganization, Uber reached out to me, mm-hmm. and they were also, you know, uh, entering the market in the Middle East and Africa. And at that time, again, startups were the big thing, or still the big thing. Great mm-hmm. experience, disruptive industry. Uh, uh, I. I worked on crisis management throughout my career. So that was uh, a really a new challenge that would put this into a test, you know, and I can really manage uh, the public FRPs with the issue management, with the reputation management. So it worked well. Same thing with Jumia recently. And the, the year before Jumia, I, I took a break and I thought, let me play a little bit with consulting and I want to see if I can do my own business since we're contemplating about making Morocco home, you know, for forever. And I thought, let me do some consulting work. And it did work really, really well. Jumia was, was um, introduced to me through that. Uh, and I was working with many other brands. A few of them were competitor, uh, you know, uh, competitors to Jumia, like Glovo. And uh, then we decided to do an exclusive and I will join them for a short time. And, and this is how uh, I got here. So can you talk a little bit about that shift with, from the corporate executive position to consulting on your own, you know, becoming an entrepreneur, you're, you're losing that title. You're losing often a high salary, a position at, you know, in the C-suite. What was that process like? And how did that shift take place becoming an entrepreneur? You're right. And, uh, but again, I've seen it before and it worked for me uh, beautifully. I mean, uh, moving from one job to another, even when I accepted the lower package or whatever, it really worked really well. And it's not about the money, it's the satisfaction. 
even the money, even when I moved with Nokia with half the package, when I came here and I looked at the benefits and I looked at the bonuses and the incentives, when you do the math, it's even better. It just, you don't know it at the beginning. The opportunities were really uh, there just for us to go and grab them. Uh, the consulting has been always on my mind. And many people here in Morocco, they tell you, oh, why do you work for companies? The problem is with growing family, three kids, we look uh, for stability. And, you know, working with big corporates, you can't be uh, uh, stable for a long time. Most of the contracts, I mean, I spent the last 13 years thinking every two years, oh, I'm going to move, you know. Uh, I, I was really hesitant to invest in, in a house or really settle the kids always thinking, oh, you know, maybe next year we will not be here. So I wanted to, to bring that sense of stability. That, that was the compromise. So the consulting business, because I thought this is going to be home. We're going to sit here and I need to invest and, and reconnect with the Morocco. I was here for a long time. And most of my work was outside of Morocco, in the Middle East and North Africa, even Europe and U.S. So I, I really wanted to, 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 to have a deep dive and get to know the Moroccan market and get to really build on the network I've created here as well and harvest that. So yeah. it was just like a test drive. Uh, yes, it, it, it was unknown. It was a different new challenge. It's not the same financial uh, comfort, you know, when it comes to, to having a, a steady income. But uh, if you're really good at something and you really like what you're doing, I think you can make it. Some months are low, others can be really good. One client uh, have a, a limited budget and not, uh, another is, you know, uh, very generous. So at the end of the day, when you come to the, to, the, to the whole thing, I think it was really a beautiful experience. And I am back now into doing that because I thought it's the right time, you know, because I think, yeah. you know, if I take you back to what I said at the beginning, you need to be there at the right time with the right set of skills and competencies. After yeah. 25 years and covering so many geographies, so many brands, solving so many issues and crises and, and uh, uh, you know, connecting with many, many uh, uh, other business uh, leaders, women and men. Uh, I think it's time to put that into practice and in the service of others. Uh, the year I had, what was really exciting about, about it is I, every day I would woke up and say, oh, you know, what's happening today? Which clients I'm gonna connect with? You know, what issue do they have? Oh, this is a new brand. It's a new mobile device that is coming. I'm going to launch it. Or, you know, uh, Pepsi is launching Aquafina. How can we help them? Uh, Danon had an issue, you know, what's happening? Nestle, you know. So uh, your ears and eyes are open. You're, you're, you're out there more. Uh, and you push yourself to build connections, new one, reconnect with old ones. And I really, really miss that. And that's what the consulting world gives you versus having one job with one company, you know, and you become really, really involved and focused on that, that sometimes you lose touch uh, with the rest of the world. Right. Yeah. It's, As you said, the Coke was in your blood and it becomes uh, your, your main <laughs> focus. <laughs> that's a, a great segue to, to my next question, which is the world is changing uh, very quickly. Um, what, what are the problems and the issues that you're seeing out there now? What, what are your clients, what are they asking about? What, what issues need to be solved given the coronavirus and travel restrictions and supply chain disruptions and, and all new sorts of problems? What, what are you focused on? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, again, I mean, it's, I always thought the world is changing. Uh, you know, as I, one day I was working for the, you know, 
telecommunication company in the world. And after a few years, you know, it was not the same. Uh, so COVID, I think it's a good wake up call for all of us. We just realized that we cannot continue operating the way we are. We have to uh, go back and readjust uh, or reevaluate re our strategies. You know, we have uh, 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 never been in a, in a such ambiguous situation. There's not enough clarity. Even now, we don't know what's going to happen. Uh, we saw how crazy it is. We saw how we shifted from having an office working from home uh, we shifted from you know uh, doing outdoor advertisement to doing more digital more online uh, the, these webinars that we've been doing today you know they're not uh, uh, they were not as popular as they are today I mean many of the companies now we talk to we advise them you know you need to 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 be agile you know you need to stay true to your mission you used to to be clear uh, you, you need to uh, be always up to date with what's happening. We need to also always revisit and audit our uh, mission, our messages, our uh, strategy. And, and, uh, 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 and, and we need to pivot, you know, when things happen, we need to move quickly and change. So this is, I think, what's changing. You know, we cannot say, oh, our strategy or our business plan for the next five years or 10 years is gonna be like this set stone. We need to be flexible and agile. And um, for me, as a crisis man uh, you know, manager expert or crisis management expert, this has not actually been a bad thing you know, when it comes to the industry or the business. Many companies before never believed in having a good issue management plan or a good crisis management plan. And they thought, we'll deal with it. And guess what? You know, many people didn't know how to deal with this or any other issue right away. And they, mm. were, um, they were late. And it's not an excuse. If you are late, excuse me, I'm just gonna recharge. If you're late, you know, your, your, your uh, uh, customers or your loyal clients will never forgive you. It's not, a, mm. it's not an option. And, uh, and when you start improvising and trying to find a solution, uh, uh, it, it's, it's never gonna be the right uh, uh, decision. So, you know, I, I believe, you know, it, the world is gonna, continue to change. We will never go back to, to pre-COVID and we don't know what's going to be post-COVID and uh, we will learn as we go. Many companies are going and as I say, revising their, their missions and their uh, strategies and I'm sure we're going to see many companies go under, others thrive and, and a few others will try to sustain and, and will really uh, uh, have difficult time. But then um, I'm, I'm really curious and excited about seeing this change and living it and if i can help somebody also go through it you know that would be uh, amazing as well that's great now uh dana you're a really strong advocate for women in business and leadership can you tell us more about uh, the women advancement network in morocco women in africa al-saham women you're involved in a lot can you share about that Yes, <laughs> I did talk a little bit about gender uh, and gender equity and, uh, you know, I'm not a feminist, let's make this clear, you know, but I, uh, I believe that, uh, you know, we have accomplished a lot uh, in achieving some gender equity, especially at workplace, but we still have a lot of uh, work ahead of us. We still have a lot of uh, uh, achievements that needs to be made and we need to sit 
the, the you know the road for or the path for our younger uh, uh, ladies etc I myself as I told you I come from a small town in Jordan I I was lucky because in Jordan we you know education was not an issue for women you know everybody is educated they work in all field uh, you know that's not an issue but there's the stereotypes there's social norms and, and, and needed to be broken you know there's certain jobs that are good for women not good for not so good for women etc so uh, one, one learning for me was strong education. It's, it's really, really important to get any social support uh, and to build uh, international career and not also, you know, not only uh, professional success. So this kind of education and this kind of access, it will, it will help women, you know, influence others and help them support others. And uh, this is what I was hoping, you know, to give to my daughter or the women, women in my network. Now, when I was working for these big brands, I was lucky enough that uh, uh, I was involved in the women initiatives, you know, whether it's Jumia, my recent job, or even in Microsoft or, you know, because we were very few in the leadership team, as I said, and, and we always tried to push more women to be uh, uh, in uh, boards uh, or in uh, top executive positions, etc. And, and we wanted to start with women because it's not about a man giving you a chance. It's us claiming this right and us really mm. believing that we can get there. So my involvement in this movement was mainly, uh, you know, at the beginning volunteering or trying to inspire others or give a chance when we are recruiting, uh, trying to put a few, uh, let's say, um, tactics in our daily work. But then I thought, um, you know, we need to have a little bit more of, of uh, an active voice. And these networks, whether it's women in Africa or a Saham woman or women advancement here in Morocco, you know, there are just samples of really good network uh, uh, platform that women can use it to, to support each other, to inspire each other. We can learn uh, from each other experiences, challenges. And I always call it, in Arabic, we call wasta. Uh, which is, you know, the good words or, you know, the push, etc. Uh, women, historically, they're not very good in this. So men, they get together after work, they go to a bar for a drink or they go to a cafe and they speak to each other and they exchange favors and they give uh, each other not and, and they push each other, other's career. We have not been good in these things. And this network is, a, is just a start. You know, when we have smaller events or conferences or we gather or even on the platform online, that's what we try to do. You know, if there's a small business uh, initiated or funded by women, we try to help that business. If it's a job opening that I know of, you know, we help to promote it or even share it with this network. If it's a good learning or a challenge, this is the objective of these uh, uh, platforms. But um, it's just part of, 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 of the call, you know, is what I believe that I, uh, uh, I'm here for, inspire uh, my daughter, my cousins, uh, uh, my, my friends, and even new, uh, new, new uh, generation, the youth. Um, and uh, I, I start working also with universities. When I was in Nokia, I started this internship program that I usually uh, take an intern, sometimes men, sometimes women, but uh, major, mainly uh, ladies and uh, train them and I become a mentor after that. And I'm so proud when somebody sent me a message and, you know, Selma is the comms manager for BSAF. Uh, another is, is doing great uh, in Nestle. Uh, and these 
successful women now in this very high position and doing great. I mean, this is huge, huge uh, satisfaction and uh, um, success for me personally. So that's mm. what I'm trying to do about these networks. And all of these are great networks. I encourage all the ladies to join, make sure they participate, they go attend events virtually or uh, physical events. Uh, you know, uh, use these platforms to help push their career, push their businesses, get advice. And there are so many ladies like me who are really happy to help and, 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 and support uh, others. Yeah. If some of our audience members want to learn more about these organizations or read about you uh, specifically, where should they go to find out more information? Okay, well, I have not launched my business officially, but uh, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on, uh, you know, LinkedIn is Dan al Mubaydeen Hadnani. I'm also on Twitter, Facebook, uh, uh, Instagram, but LinkedIn mainly for professional. And, uh, you know, I, on Instagram, I share my travel, my passion for food and, and uh, uh, you know, trips. But uh, LinkedIn is, is, the, is the main source. I post a lot about uh, Saham women, women in Africa, women advancement. Um, you know, uh, we, uh, I'm also on YouTube uh, with a few interviews, um, but uh, they simply can just ping me. They can send me an email. If you like, uh, uh, I can, I can uh, you know, you can share my personal email or they can contact you or contact me directly for any, uh, any inquiry or any uh, tips or anything. Yeah. I can do for them. Okay, yeah, we'll put uh, we'll put a link to uh, all your social contacts in the description of the YouTube video, and also on our website MoroccoPodcast.com under this episode, and uh, people can get in touch with you. Well, thank you so much uh, for joining the podcast today and sharing about your your history and your background and. Uh, the new initiatives that you're doing now. We'd actually love to have you back on the podcast once you uh, have established your business and you've had a few months to, to get operating and we can learn uh, more about the, the services that you're offering and uh, maybe some of the lessons you've learned in terms of how to deal with uh, coronavirus and, and coming into next year. That was pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Uh, you know, took me back to uh, a few years back, not uh, many. And, uh, and uh, uh, really, I hope uh, with this story, uh, you know, I, I can help someone maybe get inspired, especially young ladies out there. Uh, we still need to do a lot of work with us, uh, you know, businesses, Ryan, you and, and, and everyone as, as business leaders to create these opportunities. Uh, uh, we should eliminate any bias in recruitment. We should uh, try to work on reskilling programs, uh, give women more rights in uh, maternity leaves, uh, encourage girls to study, you know, uh, to go into STEM, uh, connect with the rest of the world, Middle East, US, English speaking countries. You know, we need more events, more webcasts. I mean, we discussed last time about having more webcasts like this with, with the women leaders. And I've seen that you've really managed to uh, host few uh, amazing ladies. So chapeau, thank you very much. And thank you for having me and giving me this chance to, uh, to speak to you and to your audience. It was a pleasure. No, we're very honored to have you. And you're right, I think our audience will be inspired by your career and your focus on uh, just pushing women and, and inspiring women to, to, I love what you said, to 
instead of waiting for an invitation, instead of waiting for someone to give an opportunity to go and claim claim what's what's rightfully yours. And so I love I love that uh, proactivity. So thank you so much. Well, that was a fantastic interview with Dana. She's an extremely inspiring businesswoman. She's had an extensive career globally. It's pretty impressive when you look at her CV and her experiences. She's built an incredible network. I think that's a great lesson for us is to, to really value your relationships and your network. I know if I have any visa issues with traveling into the Middle East, I'm gonna call her and see who she knows in the government to get, to get me in. But I also love her ability to pivot. You know, I love that she was kind of looking ahead and thinking, okay, what's the, the next big thing and how do I prepare myself for that? You know, going into public relations when it was really in the early days and then her shift to join uh, Nokia and shift into technology and also to focus on Africa. You know, she's somebody who's way ahead of the curve. And as a new trend or a new wave comes, she's able to, to ride that and to enjoy success. And even when you know Nokia went out of business or, or um, was acquired, she's able to pivot and doesn't seem to miss a beat. So I love her, her ability to, to shift and catch the coming trends. Yeah, and her story about going from teaching at a private university to basically cold calling Coca-Cola and saying, hey, can I do PR for you? And then them agreeing to that I mean, that should inspire everybody. And, and honestly, the situation has not changed. And, and I'll have more details about this in the coming weeks, but if you're Moroccan and you speak French and Arabic and some English, you should be reaching out to brands around the world and saying, hey, can I represent you in Morocco? Because mm -hmm. she's exactly right. The mindset around the world right now is Africa is the future of growth. And these brands, they know it, and they're looking for partners. They're looking for partners to be their person on the ground to represent their brand in Morocco and not just Morocco, but North Africa. But of course, Morocco and Casablanca specifically, it's, it's, a, it's the smart choice to create the hub for North Africa. If you're gonna sell mm -hmm. in Algeria, Tunisia, Mauritania, locating Morocco and in Casablanca is a great idea. So if you're in business, you wanna be an entrepreneur, you wanna be in sales and marketing, these these brands literally have contact forms on their website where it says you want to be a distributor fill out this form and you just fill out the form and you know you have nothing to lose so i love that about her story and of course uh she has a very impressive career but uh, another great guest um look forward to uh the next episode on business morocco podcast you know who are we going to get next we're getting some impressive guests yeah that's true